0: Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Stephen. And today, I think it's time we revisited the Dragonlance Chronicles. Back on episode 15, I talked about, well, I started the talk. I started the discussion about my favorite fantasy series of all time, a trilogy of books that really got me into uh, reading. And it was the Dragonlance Chronicles by Margaret Wise. And Tracy Hickman. And on episode 15, I talked about the first book, Dragons of Autumn Twilight. And today I want to talk about book number two, Dragons of Winter Night. This was published in 1985. I don't think I mentioned that back in episode number 15. The first book was published in 1984. This book, number two, was published in 1985. Now, when we last left our heroes, they had managed to free the slaves from Packstarkis and they killed a dragon high lord Verminard and we take up the story from there. We've actually shot forward a little bit into the future. We're now in Thorbarden, which is the home, the mountain home of the dwarves. And the refugees from Packstarkis are living there and they're presenting the dwarves with a gift and it's the hammer of Karas. This is the hammer used to forge the dragon lance. Sturm's not all that happy about it. Apparently, sometime between book one and book two, our heroes went out on a little quest, a short little adventure, and they recovered this hammer. Sturm thinks that the hammer should be given to the knights of Salamnia in case they need to forge new dragon lances, but it's an act of friendship. The dwarves are letting. The humans live there in their mountain home, and to, to, to pay them back, they have given him this hammer. However, there's a big meeting. One of the head humans now is Elistan, who they freed from Pax Tharkis. He is now a cleric of Paladine, one of the three main gods. There's a lot of gods in the world of Kryn, but the three main ones are Paladine, who is the, uh, who's basically, he's the the good guy, to Kiesis, who is the bad guy, and I can't remember the neutral god. Anyway, they devised this plan, the humans devised this plan to send our companions, to send our heroes off to the south to a city called Tarsus the Beautiful. This is a city on the coast. It's a port city. No one has been there in hundreds of years, apparently. Tasselhoff, Burfoot, the Kinder, he's got a map that shows how to get there. The only thing they know about this city is rumors and legends of the fabled white-winged ships of Tarsus. And they're hoping to go there and book passage to somewhere, some land that is untouched by the war. However, when they arrive, through the winter. It's it's now wintertime. There's snow on the ground. There's storms and all that, and it's a very gray and barren landscape, and it's cold and depressing. And to make matters worse, they get to Tarsus, and they find out it's no longer a port city. No one has been to this city. No one is, among the dwarves or the humans, anybody who's there hanging out at Thorbarden, they have not been to this city since before the great cataclysm. Now, I don't know if I mentioned that in the first episode. I may have because when they went to get the discs of Mishakal, they went to the ruined city of Sarath, which was destroyed during the cataclysm. And it was this great event where the gods rained down just horror among the people because of a crime that one of their high priests committed against the gods. Anyway, Thanks to the cataclysm, Tarsus is no longer a port city. So there's no ships. There's no ocean. They're 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 no they're nowhere near water. So they're they're there at the city now at this point, and they're trying to figure out what they what they're going to do. They're in a tavern. The city is overrun by dra- by the dragon army. Well, as they're there chilling in this tavern, these guards come, and Tanis quickly before they before they enter their their little room, their the room where their their private room where they're at. He sends everybody away, so that it's just him and Tass and Flint and Gilfonis to confront them. They're arrested and taken before the, the governor or the mayor of the city, something like that. While they're gone, the rest of the, the crew: Lorana, Raceland, Caramon, Tika. They're all they're they're up in the room waiting. And this is where we get to learn a bit of information about Raceland and Caramon's half sister, Kittyara, who used to have quite the relationship. With Tannis. She was among the companions when they separated before the first book began, but she did not return as the rest of them did. So back to Tannis and Tass and Flint and Gilfanis, and I feel like Sturm's with them now. I can't quite remember, but they're rescued by the Knights of Salamnia. And with them is an elf uh, from Sylvanesti. Her name is Alana Starbreeze. And this is why I feel Sturm was with them because they. Immediately, there's a connection between Sturm and this elf. So as they're in hiding, we discover that Tasselhoff has these magic glasses, and he's looking at this book that the knights have that no one has been able to read because it's in a funny language. But his his glasses allow him to read any language, and through it, he learns about these things called the dragon orbs, which apparently were created by wizards long, long ago to Controlled dragons. Well, in the meantime, the dragon armies come and they attack and they destroy the town. The companions are then split up at this point. Tanis manages to um, hook up with Caramon and Raceland, and uh, S- Sturm is with Lorana and Alana Starbree. No, no, no. Sturm is with Lorana. Alana Starbreeze, she rescues Tanis and Caramon and Raceland and Tika. And they set off for Sylvanesti. She's there. She was there at Tarsus looking for help because there's something wrong with Sylvanesti. The others, Lorana, Sturm, Gilthanas, Tasselhoff, Flint, they all go to Icewall. For some reason, I can't remember why. There's some rumors that they head off to Icewall, but it's there that they are able to get a hold of one of the original dragon lances. And as they're on their way back to uh, where they need to be, they're having an argument because they're not really sure where they need to be. Lorana wants to go to Southern Urgoth because it's very close, and she knows that her family is there and the Qualonesti. That's where they, they have left Qualenost and they're hanging out in Southern Urgoth. So she wants to go there to try to get help from the elves. The knights, however, want to go to Sandcrest, which is where the knights hang their hats. Sturm is, of course, put in the middle of it, and uh, before he can really pick a side. The ship is attacked by a white dragon and it's destroyed. And then our heroes end up washed up on the shores of Southern Urgoth. So they're rescued by the, by the elves. Well, during, a, during dinner that night, the king, the leader, I can't remember his name, but Lorana's father is very excited about having her back. And she's saying that they can't stay long. They have to take the dragon orb to Sandcrist, And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. The dragon orb is ours now my dear. You've brought it to us. It's where it needs to be. And so she ends up with the knights. They steal the dragon orb because she knows it can't stay there. They steal the dragon orb and they sneak off with the help of a wilder elf. Uh, uh, there's, so there's three tribes of elves. There's the Sylvanesti, the Qualanesti, and the Kaganesti. And the Kaganesti are like the the wild elves. And there was a civil war at one point. The Sylvanesti Sil- the were like the first, and they split apart and became the Sylvanesti and the 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 Qualenesti, and then the Kaganesti were kind of caught in the middle. Anyway, they're looked upon by the other two tribes of elves as basically barbarians and uh, very low rank and uh, almost animals. But she is she's kind of a a servant to the Qualanesti, but she helps them sneak out, and they she uses the help of an old friend. From Haven, Theros Ironfeld, when last we left him, he was in a cage with our with our companions back in Book One, and he had had his arm chopped off. Well, now he's alive, and his arm is now he's he's got a new arm and it's silver. he doesn't tell us how it happens. he just says that's a long story, and I don't think we ever learn. I think they wrote a book about it at one point, so as they're escaping across Urgoth, uh the elves are chasing them they're they're half a day behind or something and they realize that they're not going to be able to outrun the elves. Well, the knights want to turn and wait and fight the elves. Lorana doesn't want to because they are, they are her kin and Sturm ends up taking her side which, you know, pisses off the knights. Well, Silvana has a plan for them to separate. She sends uh, Sturm with the knights away with the dragon orb and the dragon lance while the rest of them um, lead the elves away. On the on a false trail and she ends up taking them to a safe place, which is this giant they, they go through all these they, they cross the river of the dead and they they just this long journey until they find the they're at the top of this mountain and this massive castle that's shaped like a giant dragon. And inside Tasselhoff is exploring and he finds Fizban, the the, the doddering old wizard from book one who we thought died but is alive. And he comes back to the main room with Tasselhoff. He's like, oh, what are you all doing here? And he suddenly, when he sees Silvana and he sees what's going on, his doddering old man act just goes away. And suddenly he's very serious. And he's he's telling her, you've done the wrong thing, Silvara. You shouldn't have done this. And now you have to tell them the truth. And uh, we find out that Silvara was, is a silver dragon. So... There's different colors of dragons. Up till this point, we've we've seen, uh, we know that there are red ones and black ones and blue ones and green ones and white ones. But now we, we find out there's a silver dragon. And there's a story told at one point by Solvara about Huma and the silver dragon who came to him in the guise of a human and they fell in love. He found out she was a dragon. He didn't care. But they were told by Paladine Look, if you guys want to go off and be married and be happy, you can. But I'm about to give you the secret to destroy the 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 evil dragons and win the war. But I can't do that if you're together. So you have a choice to make. And they chose to be to remain separate so they could win the war. And now we find out that Silvara is a, a silver dragon as well. I think she's related. She's either the sister or the daughter of the the silver dragon that. Fell in love with Huma. Meanwhile, we go back to Tanis and Raceland and Caramon and Tika, and they're they're traveling across the country by pretending that they are a traveling act of uh, called the Red Wizard and his wonderful illusions. He does magic. Tika dances. Caramon lifts things over his head. We go back to uh, then we go from there to Sturm. He's with the knights and they, he's on trial because he he they said he they say he betrayed them. We also go to the Council of Whitestone, which everyone has gathered to find out what they're going to do about the uh, dragons. The dragon orb is there. They're arguing about who's going to use it. Tass shows up with Fizban. He steals the dragon orb in front of everybody and he throws it onto a rock, and it shatters. Then everybody is angry. They're getting ready to kill him, and Fizban steps in and he's like, "Y'all just need to calm down." And he gets all stern with them and he gets all serious. But before he can really give his speech, the big giant. White boulder behind him that is white stone is suddenly split apart by something that appears to be a lightning bolt, but it's not a lightning bolt. It's a dragon lance, and Theros is there to show that he can now forge the dragon lance. He was showed by shown by Silvara how to do this. Now, in the meantime, Tannis and them they are in this city, this town that is controlled by one of the dragon armies, control uh, um, led by the blue dragon high lord who rides a blue dragon and has a a a big you know group of blue dragons Did i say blue or did i say now i can't remember yeah it's a blue dragon good lord i'm going crazy anyway at one point they need some information so tanis and caramon go out into the town they waylay a couple of dragon soldiers they steal their armor then they move about to try to get information they get separated and this elf i think it was an elf some some Somebody tries to kill Tannis because he thinks that Tannis is, a, you know, a, an officer in the dragon army. And the guy almost succeeds, but then Tannis is rescued by the blue dragon high lord, who is very surprised to see Tannis and calls him by name. And we find out that the blue dragon high lord is none other than Kittyara. And that's why she didn't return. Because she is she's always been a mercenary, she's always gone where the money is, and now she's she's fighting for the bad guys. Well, so so uh Tannis stays with them for a bit. I skipped this whole part where Tannis and Alana and Raceland and Ke- they all go to Silvanesti. The big problem that was happening in Silvanesti is that the uh the 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 king, the leader of the Sylvanesti, who's Alana's father, he had a dragon orb, and he tried to use it to save the Sylvanesti, but he is sucked into it. And there's a dragon there within the the dragon orb named Cyan Bloodbane who kind of takes him over, and it turns Sylvanesti into a nightmare place. And when they go to try to save him, they're sucked into the nightmare. And at one point, Raistlin is... He's in the nightmare and he's speaking to somebody that we can't see. And he says, okay, I'm going to need more out of you. We'll make another bargain. And he becomes more powerful and he leaves them all behind to get through this nightmare. And in the end, they win and they get the dragon orb and... Uh, so they have it, they have the dragon orb with them. Raceland's got it. And at one point, he's playing around with it when he's by himself, and he goes inside it, and there's somebody in there that's helping him out. So there's like this mysterious figure that we can't see that's giving him a lot of information and helping him out. some mystical figure. Well, the book ends at the high, clearest tower the Kitiara and her dragon armies show up there this is like a gateway to the north or the south or something they have to they have to win this war the dragon armies do to uh continue on and so all the knights are there Sturm has gone through his trial. He is found not guilty. He is initiated into the, into the Knights of Salamnia, but at the lowest order. And so he's there to help defend the tower. His biggest rival, Derek Crownguard, who was one of the Knights that was with him during, this, during their adventure, he's the one that accused him of being a traitor. He decides, you know what, we're not going to wait for an attack. I'm going to gather up all the knights who support me and we're going to go right out and we're going to face this army head on. Sturm and all his people are like, no, don't do it. That's stupid. You're, you're, you're committing suicide. He goes out anyway and they all get killed. Well, in the end, they learn that there's a dragon orb there at the freaking high clearest tower and they figure out, or uh, Tasselhoff figures out how to use it because of his glasses, he can look into the dragon orb, and it tells him what to do. And they use it to uh, call all the dragons to the tower. The tower is built to kill dragons. And they, they are all called into the tower by this orb that's right at the very center. And these dragons are flying through these hallway, these giant hallways. And they get to the center. And then these these gates slam down on top of them, trapping them inside. So that the, the knights can come out of hidden compartments in the walls and and kill the dragons with dragon lances. But in order to set this all up, Sturm has to go out and kind of um, delay the army. And so he's out there basically on top of the wall fighting the army by himself. And the dragon high lord, Kiddiara, she comes after him and they fight and he dies. And that's how the book ends and it's very sad. So book two, Dragons of Winter Night. I've got one more book left and we'll talk about that in a month or so love these books so much love them so much I really if you haven't read them you really need to get out there and read them I'm looking forward to reading this last one and then good lord there's even more after that they do more Dragonlance books based on this that's just oh my gosh there's just so much out there I don't know how I'm ever going to read it all but I'm looking forward to the adventure so until then until next time until I see you again my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy be nice to each other